0: The Press Pass on WKXL is presented by the Prescription Center, where the health of you and your family comes first. Check out either of their two locations, one at the Concord Hospital Campus, the other 125 North Main Street. The Prescription Center will also deliver prescriptions to you free of charge. That's the Prescription Center, where the health of you and your family comes first.
1: this is the press pass with Chris Ryan
0: this is where you hear unique conversations with the best athletes coaches and general managers in sports I
2: think you appreciate each and every one uh, each and every everyone especially in their own way and as I play with
1: two guys that uh, they were on top of their game on a nightly basis and People get spoiled, you know, they they so Manny, they so David, so they they start taking people for granted.
3: Opportunity for me. I know I need to help my team now, so you know, the better I play, the better it'll be for us. I think it's uh, one of the most important things is focus and consistency.
0: Celtics hold a two games to none lead over the Nets as they take on Brooklyn in game three tonight. Bruins looking to conclude their season on a high note. They head to the postseason, but where will they finish? And the Red Sox begin their 2022 campaign in a bit of a disappointing fashion. We'll talk with Nathan Navaldi coming up in just a moment, and Malcolm Butler is back with the Pats. This is the press pass. I am Chris Ryan. Well, the TD Garden at full capacity for the Celtics playoffs, and it felt like it in games one and two. The hatred for Kyrie Irving was there, and there was just a fever pitch in both games one and two down the stretch. Both games were very different. We'll get into them in just a little bit here on the show. But first off, the hatred for Kyrie Irving was legit, and in my view, with cause. I mean, you consider the way Kyrie Irving left Boston, uh, the fact that he has drawn this thing on over and over again with statements and actions, you know, instead of just trying to put it to rest. And Celtics fans have a reason to dislike Kyrie Irving, and he continues to add fuel to the fire. Celtics lead two games to none In this series, in game number two, they trailed the Nets in the first half of this game. They're down by 17 points. Uh, And then a strong second half, which the Celtics really did on the defensive end, shutting down Kevin Durant. And Durant in the first couple games has not looked like one of the best players ever. Dribbling the ball off his foot at times. Errant passes, missed shots. The Celtics have made it very uncomfortable for Durant. And their defense is really driving their success in this series, got a big game from Grant Williams as well. Jalen Brown stepped up down the stretch. Here's what he had to say post game:
3: uh, Just being aggressive. I think uh, Brooklyn's doing a good job of trying to keep me from from my spots and, and attacking in places where I want to attack. Uh, you know, fourth quarter though, you know, everybody starts to, to dwindle a little bit, get a little bit tired. That's when uh, we look to get going a little bit. So uh, fourth quarter, I just kept being aggressive, staying with it, and. Uh, Make some plays down the stretch.
0: In game one, Kyrie Irving's middle finger made a lot of news, using it quite often in the game, to, uh He, in his words, respond to the Celtics fans, basically. Uh, here's what he had to say about uh, his engagements, interactions with the fans. For Kyrie, it was a really strong game one. Game two was miserable.
3: Um, you know, it's nothing new when I come into this building, what it's going to be like, but it's the same energy they have for me, and I'm going to have the same energy for them. And it's not every fan. I don't want to attack every fan, every Boston fan. But, um, you know, when people start yelling <S- <S- you and all this stuff, it's but so much you can take uh, as a competitor. And, um, you know, we're the ones expected to be docile and be humble and take a humble approach. Nah, fuck that's the playoffs. This is what it is. You know, I, I've, I know what to expect in here and it's the same energy I'm giving back to them. It is what it is. I'm not really focused on it. It's fun. You know what I'm saying? And like, like again, this, where I'm from, I, I've dealt with so much. So coming in here, it, you relish it as a competitor. And, and this is again, uh, you know, I'm gonna keep repeating myself when I say again, but this isn't my first time in TD Garden. So what you guys saw and what you guys think is as entertainment, or the fans think is entertainment, all is fair in competition. You know, so if some somebody's gonna call me out of my name, I'm gonna look at them straight in the eye and see if they really about it. Most of the time, they're not. Dilly. Let's not let's not focus on this. Like ask me questions about the game. Like, it's not about the fans. The fans are playing. From, from a basketball standpoint. Yeah. There's no hostility, bro. It's basketball. It's the first time you actually caught it because it's a big-time game. I respond in different ways. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to focus on that. If you want to ask me questions about the fans, go ask them. Go on the street and ask them questions. Right?
0: This was a classic a buzzer beater in which the Celtics made plays at both ends of the floor in closing seconds, did not take a timeout. First, given Kyrie absolutely nothing in the defensive end, uh, the Celtics on the defensive end, then Kyrie trying to find Durant, Durant heaving up a shot, and then Celtics going into their offense, pushing the ball up the floor, the floor of Jalen Brown. He finds Marcus Smart. Smart draws two, cuts towards the basket, sees Tatum cutting, lay in, game over, Here's Tatum on his game winner.
3: I mean, honestly, I think, you know, we all thought Smart was going to shoot it. So, you know, last second shot just crashed the glass. You know, if it doesn't go in, you know, try to make a play. Uh, You know, but when he took that dribble, uh, we just kind of made eye contact. uh, He made a great, great pass. uh, You know, I just had to make a layup.
0: Marcus Smart making the play there to Jason Tatum, making a number of defensive plays as well. And Actually, Smart finally honored as Defensive Player of the Year. He won it, and uh, he was surprised by the Celtics in practice on Tuesday, honored prior to game number two on Wednesday night. Here's Smart after game one's victory.
3: Yeah, I mean, first off, you know, you got to credit e for trusting us in that situation um, for one timeout. Um uh, to just go then you got to give credit to JB you know pushing the pace drawing four um, and then making the right read and then of course me you know I've um, always been told that you know you have more time than than you realize you have so I just when I caught the ball if I was open I was going to shoot it and then I seen <laughs> then two guys fly at me so I'm like i uh, take a pump fake and actually I was about to throw it to Al off the dribble and then I saw JT cut at the last minute and. Uh, just wanted to, you know, get the easiest shot we can. And that was as close as we can get to the basket. So I found JT and he made a great play to to get the ball up on the glass and finish it before the game was over.
0: Now to the Bruins who clinched a postseason spot. But the playoffs don't begin for them quite yet. It's going to start in early May. They have five games remaining in the regular season. And Bruins right now not trending in the right direction. They're without two of their best players. And David Posternock's absence has absolutely killed the power play. We're going to hear from Bruce Cassidy on that in just a moment. But uh, the Bruins need to start playing better hockey on their way into the postseason, or it may be a quick exit for them. I talked with Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy about what he wants to see from his team in playing better hockey here
1: down the stretch. We, we generated some offense by getting it deep and when they had numbers and being patient. And I think that's what happens in the playoffs. You know, uh, Your skill you hope takes over and scores you some goals when you need it. But there's a lot of close games, and you just got to be able to play, take care of your habits, there, disciplines, another area. I thought we were pretty good the other night. A few trips, but um, for the most part, um, I think Fliggy took a penalty in the slot trying to prevent a goal. Those, are, you know, you can live with those. So uh, penalty kill was solid. You know, the offensive part of it sometimes comes and goes because of the the other team and pucks bounce on you. And right now, it's like Martian Berge, right, it's not. They're not as crisp as they were earlier or as fortunate, whatever word you want to use. We're losing a little on the second line because of David's injury. So at the end of the day, you've got to be able to go back to your roots, which for us is good. So that's what I'm talking about, building our habits away from the puck. Be really good defensively. It might be boring, but boring wins in the playoffs when you're, when you're not scoring. And the ice is crap because the puck's bouncing around. There's just a lot of those situations where you've got to be able to gut it out. And, and, and hopefully your skill takes over some of the games you know, that, that are close. Because uh, it's usually a difference of one or two plays, you know, where you win or lose games in, in May and in June. So that's what we're trying to focus on now that we're in, and we will be for the next seven games. And good habits, which you know, sometimes can be a tough sell for players that are looking ahead. You know, uh, that's always the challenge to get them focused on St. Louis Tuesday, not a, who we playing in May, and and getting ready for that. And Pasternak could be back today. Bruins have not scored a power play bowl, a
0: goal since uh, Pasternak went out. Here's Cassidy on that.
1: A little bit of that. I think that I, 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 even today in practice, I think some of it's execution. We're just that last play is not getting to the net; it's getting blocked. We're forcing it in there. So some of it is in games. I truly believe people know that David's not over there. It's not a one timer. So their whole kill shifts a little more to that strong side. We run off, which closes off Berge, which gives uh, pos, uh, Marsh less time. Even the net front is converged on quickly. So. You know, we were trying to stretch it out a little the other day, getting some shots from there, even though it's not a one-timer, to get him away from there to open up the other side. And, you know, it's still a work in progress. Um, a lot of left shots that play the power play, not a lot of right one-timers. So that, that's the loss with David, and we got to keep working on it to get it right.
0: Also talked with the Bruins center Eric Hall, who's been playing with Pasta when he's been in the lineup, and also Taylor Hall on the Bruins' second line. Sure, the Bruins, Eric Hall, and you'll hear players, coaches talk a lot about Playing your best hockey moving into the postseason. When you look at these final couple of games, what does that look like for you? What does it look like for this this group? What do you want to see?
4: Yeah, just we just want to win every game we play, obviously. And and but it's a it's a building process right now of just uh, making sure you know day in day out doing the right things, the little things that they don't necessarily get on the score sheet, but you know that that will uh, ultimately lead us to where the way we want to play and and just the consistency consistency in our game that will make us a really hard team to play against.
0: What is fit for you here? Where you've obviously had good success prior to this, you've always been one of those guys that is really good with the um, different intricacies of the game, but scoring-wise, finding you know big moments in these games, what has clicked for you?
4: Oh, just you know, things kind of fell fell in line a little bit. Uh, found a good spot. You know, I, I feel like I. I belong here and uh it, it feels like home and it's you know, it's that that's that's a big thing for a player, I feel like, is 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 belonging and feeling that that spot that you've you've maybe got or, or whatever and, and uh obviously love playing with Taylor, David, whoever's been there and and, and we've been going good for a long time and, and uh builds confidence and, and that's that's the gist of it.
0: Yeah, the identity of this organization, particularly with Bergie and and Marshy, has been three zone players, right? Guys that, that work hard and achieve more, perhaps, than what they were uh, than the skills they were given. Do you feel like you kind of meet that in terms of who you are as an individual, that lunch pail type of player?
4: Well, I think we all try to match them, right? They're the leaders of the team, and, and we try to fall in line and and uh, you know feed off their their example and, and kinda of do the do the same thing. Obviously it works and, and uh, so yeah those are two two great guys for me to watch and and uh, and mimic and, and bring that
0: I wanna go really inside the game for a second and, and Butchie was talking about one of the keys being obviously winning puck battles and having that desire. For you as you know center Iceman, what goes into making sure that you're there, you have the body positioning and you have success in a lot of those individual battles, whether it's coming back as the F three or you're there in a spot and you win that that battle for 50 50 or a, a puck that you think you should have
4: yeah it's either you know d zone you're you win those battles you go into O-zone. that's what we're trying to do especially uh you know with the guys i'm playing with it's very important that that when i get in those battles that i do you know come up with the puck uh, more often than not so that we can go use our strengths and and uh you know same way than the O-zone. you know you you keep a puck in or or, or whatever it is you play offenses to of the defense and that's what ultimately we're trying to do
0: when pasta's playing on your right and you have Hall on your on your left, what do you see as your role being, you know, with those those guys? Like what are you trying to do when you have those two really skilled players? What's your role in making sure that all works? Yeah, I try to do a little bit of
4: everything, but mainly, you know, create space for them. Uh, try to get, get the puck to them uh, through the neutral zone areas where they can use their skill, have room and, and uh, you know, expose the other team a little bit and uh, and that's worked. But, you know, just overall this you know if Ozone you know being available at all times uh, getting open obviously just I, I breed off them a lot you know what I mean i um, they they have the puck a lot and uh, you know I try to create create space but also you know be an outlet you know and and do some of that some of that work that will make try to make the game a little bit easier for them in a sense of that
0: one of the things that's really jumped out is the I don't want to mean this in an, in an offensive way, but the simplicity of your game in that a lot of times players will be, you know, looking to try to do perhaps too much, and you make the the smart play on a consistent basis, whether it's getting the puck to the net, quick clear, all those things, uh, easy pass. Like is that is that something that is is
4: conscious with you? I thank you. I yeah. I mean that's I, to me that's the best play mm-hmm. usually. Is uh, it's like I said, you know, if it's it doesn't matter what it what it is but you know just getting the puck in areas to people where where they have some space or they can make the next play i feel like that's that's an important part of, of the game of hockey is is you know you bring guys to you or or you create space so that the other the other guy can can have a little bit more time to to you know do something different i feel like that's important and and uh yeah i mean if it's simple easy whatever i that's that's great
0: just a handful of games left here. What is your sense about who this team is and what you guys can be? I mean, there have been moments where you were the best team in the National Hockey League for a sustained period of time, it, it felt like. Then injuries, there's been all sorts of different circumstances, guys coming in and out of the lineup. Like, is it, is it clear to you what this team is, or is it kind of dependent upon your circumstances or conditions as to what you're going to be, where you can go?
4: Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. We're going to be a contender. We're going to be a tough out for anybody we play. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, in that sense, it's going to be a good team no matter what. And uh, like I said, we're just we're just getting ready right now. And and uh, and I don't think anyone's going to take us lightly. If they do, good. Um, you know, but ultimately, I think the feel in the room is is you know we're we're looking to make some noise.
0: Yeah. In conclusion, you're likely to play a team with high level skill, speed, obviously in that first round, and you guys are a well rounded group and one that seems like its identity comes from its net out. How do you combat teams that seem to you know play with this incredible speed and, and skill that you know, it's basically something that the league has not seen before on a consistent basis?
4: Yeah, it comes comes back to that first question you had. It's just just what we're trying to build towards just those good habits and. And, uh, you know, ultimately those, those things will will benefit us the most against the skill and and whatever whatever comes our way. It's, it's just, you know, we believe that if we play our, our style of hockey and our, our game the best of our abilities, we're going to have a great chance to win, win every night. And uh, that's kind of what we're to working towards.
0: Eric, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it. Right, to the Red Sox now, disappointing home stand for them as they finish under 500 in seven games against the Twins and Blue Jays, finishing three and four on the home stand. Nathan Navaldi though has been good to start the season for the Boston Red Sox, and I talked with the Red Sox ace about this club. Fans will watch you on the mound and kind of have a persona as to who you are, how you act, and all that. Who is kind of Nathan
2: Navaldi beyond the the pitcher? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Humble got I me. Mean, yeah. I don't really know. Uh, I mean, it's nice when my family's there. You know what I mean? Because when baseball's over, I mean that's what it, that's why I go home to. But without them there right now, you know, my son's in school, so they're not going to be able to come out till the end of May. Um, you know, a lot of TV, video games, more more homework on baseball for sure, but. I don't know. Not too much. So in terms of
0: you as a pitcher, what would you say are the biggest ways you've evolved and, and grown since you first arrived here in 2018?
2: Um, I think just learning how to pitch, how to use all of my all of my pitches to my advantage. I feel like a lot of the times in the past I'd fallen to predictable counts or I'd get myself in trouble with certain pitches and have to rely on my fastball. And, you know, anytime a batter has an idea of what you're going to throw, they have a good chance of hitting it. So... I think now with all five of my pitches, being able to mix them in whenever I need to, um, I think that helps keep them off balance and just being able to throw them for strikes and you know knowing I don't have to be so perfect out there because I have all the different weapons to choose from.
0: Yeah, that's one of the obviously the biggest keys for you is that you can throw all five pitches for strikes was that always the case or was there a point in time you know going into a season where it all kind of clicked that you could have that conviction to throw any of them in any kind of situation in the count
2: um I mean I definitely feel like there's those moments where I don't have the confidence in the pitches and I would shy away from them and I feel like that's one of the good things about you know the staff that we have here it's you know trying to find the right time to mix those pitches in there so you don't shy away from them because you know when you're in the game you you know you tend to find pitches and then you're able to throw them for strikes and be able to attack the hitters differently so and was there also you know kind of a moment for you where you
0: you obviously have this incredible fastball and so you want to use that pitch and there's the kind of that conviction as well in a pitcher wanting to you know use your best pitch in those big spots was there a person or time where it's like, you know, I, I just don't have to use that. I can I can trick guys. I have other pitches. I use the curveball in the spot as opposed to, you know, the fastball.
2: You're saying like, is there a time where I don't have to use it? No,
0: no, no, was there a time when somebody when was there a person or was there a moment for you where where it just kinda clicked where you're like I don't have to
2: overpower guys with the fastball I can I can use my other pitches um no I mean I'd I'd almost say the opposite I I feel like especially when you start when I would start a game off you know we rely on the fastball I'm amped up the game just started and I'm you know I'm throwing harder but it's like we throw fastball fastball a lot of the times if you throw the same pitch three times it's it's going to get hit you know and I would have a hard time getting out of the first inning because I would rely on my fastball too much so then it got to the point where I'm like I'm going to rely on my other breaking pitches Uh, to kind of, you know, bridge the gap and get them off the fastball and then use the fastball in certain counts. I mean, obviously you try to read the swings of people that the batters take. And I mean, if they're late, you stay with it. But other times, if they look like they're on top of it, then you mix it up and try to keep them off balance and also moving the ball inside, outside, top of the zone and bottom. At what point in the season do you Kind of get a feel for you know where
0: you're at and where a a team is at in terms of kind of that big picture trajectory. Does it take you know five starts for you? Does it take a a month? Or you know do you sense what you have that year or what a a team has that year
2: prior to that even? Um, I think it just team-wise. I think the times you get going get going really well and it who all is clicking at the same time. You know sometimes. You may only have a few guys, like Doogie, for instance, right now. He's hot for us right now, and he's been swinging in. Uh, he's been providing those big at-bats for us, getting us the lead early. You know, we've got certain pitchers who are throwing better than others right now, but um, I think that comes in with the work in between each each game, each side, things like that. Um, you know, right now, mechanically, I'm feeling better with where I am, but I still feel like there's a little bit of ways to go, but I'm happy with, you know, the way I've been able to pitch up until now. Um, you know, and again, working together as a team, we feed off of one another, you know, and we're there for each other and try to pick each other up and uh, stay on top of it. You know what I mean? Like, guys are going to get discouraged, and it's an early season right now, and we got to make sure we're staying healthy. And then on the other side of it, you know, you want to be ready to go, and you want to win
0: ball games. Did the spring training situation mess with you at all personally or – it was you're just kind of working through it. How would you kind of categorize what ha, what that's meant? Maybe to set you back a little bit, or guys generally.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's different. It's similar as when we had COVID. You know what yeah. I mean? We're are working differently, and you know, I feel like you're seeing a lot of guys get hurt around the league right now, and I think that's due to the early ramp up. And you just can't you can't train in front of thousands of fans. You know, there's a different competitive nature that kicks in, and when you're out there and you're competing against. Another team, and you have the fans and the adrenaline going. You're going to put the different wears and tears on your body, and uh, the recovery side of it. It's you know, a lot of guys aren't built up enough. Um, you know, fortunately for me, I was able to get a lot of my work in with Wong, and I had a nice facility to throw at. Um, you know, I had good feedback coming from him when things were good and when they weren't. So I think coming into camp with a good idea of where my mechanics were and just like the little things I needed to focus on and. You know when Bush was able to watch some of my mechanics and uh, just the the pens and it nice. It's nice that we've worked together. And you know we had that long year last year and then 2020 as well. So it's, he understands my mechanics and what I, you know, what I'm feeling when I, what I, you know, with what I with what I say or describe. Um, so I think coming into camp, it was nice for me just to be kind of already built up a little bit and then to have to ramp up quicker. Cause, I mean. I feel like we always have in spring training a a live batting practice, and then a live batting practice with two innings, and then a one inning, two inning, and they'd be thrown into that first game at three innings. You know, everybody has their concerns, and they're, you know, that's the good thing about our training staff and the way AC manages us, too, is they're always very cautious and looking out for our best benefit. But, um, for me I think I'm okay with it, but I mean for a lot of guys it's, it's been it's been yeah. tough and I think it goes to show around the league again with just how many guys have been injured and it's not just pitchers. Yeah. You know, it's 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 position players and everybody relievers
0: yeah see Javi Baez go out Buxton in this series as well conclusion yeah funny Gary yeah the conclusion is uh, on uh, tanner and and Garrett, and what have you seen from them in the time that they have been here and uh, what do you see the trajectory of those two being in you find yourself in, in their in their ear a
2: lot as a veteran yeah, of course, I mean Houg's in the rotation, so I'm, I get to see him a lot, and I think the maturity for him of just Kind of understanding his mechanics a little bit better and what the things he needs to feel, as opposed to just going out there and throwing. And then weight lock. you can't really say enough about him, the impact he had on the tap, on the um, the team last year. I mean, I don't think we would have been able to accomplish a lot of the things without him. I mean, he, we, he was thrown into a lot of high leverage situa- situations. He went multiple innings. He did whatever was asked of him, and you know when you have young guys, it's if they hit that they hit that rough patch, it's usually for a while. And, you know, with Garrett last year, it was like it just seemed to be a one outing, and then he was able to clean it up the next time out, and then moving forward. And he's very hard on himself when he's out there pitching, and um, they go about it the right way. They do. They listen to everybody. They listen to their opinions. They stay quiet, but they're also vocal at times as well. And you know they're doing everything the right way. That is Red Sox ace Nathan Navaldi
0: here on the Press Pass. Nate is 1-0 with a 3.68 ERA, 1.30 whip in three starts. He gets the ball once again for the Red Sox tomorrow in Tampa against the Rays. What a sports weekend. It is Red Sox down in Tampa Today, you have the Bruins and the Rangers at 3 p.m. inside TD Garden and Game 3 of the first-round playoff series between the Nets and the Celtics in Brooklyn tonight at 7. Coming up next week on the Press Pass, we'll take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, who may, in fact, not just be the best team in the AL East, but perhaps in baseball, Bo Bichette and Santiago Espinal, two reasons for that former Fisher Cats on the show next week. This is the Press Pass. I'm Chris Ryan.